and this is Sports Grumblings, and I'm here with my good bud, Big John. John, how are you? I'm doing fine, William. Uh, I'm in a good mood. Football's back. The NFL's back, so I'm, I'm in a great mood. Well, I, I got to be honest, John. Last year, it seemed every week it was just a, a massive, it was a big game, meaning the right. high scoring, the action, the suspense, the intensity. Yeah. Every single week, I, I realized that. And my first thought last year was like, oh, my God, this is the season the NFL needed to bring back 70% of conservatives that watch and make up the fighting <laughs> power of the NFL. And it worked. The ratings jacked back up. Right. Uh, 13 second debacle, even though the team I was rooting for lost, it was one of the most exciting games in the past 10, 15 years. Sure. And tonight we got a dud. What are your thoughts? I, I guess we're, we're going to talk about two or three topics, but let's jump into the NFL week one opener. True. What are your thoughts? Um, there's a lot that was going on. My first thought is, uh, it's a Super Bowl hangover. You know, the Rams had a horrible game at home. Horrible, just absolutely dismal performance. Um, the Bills looked almost unstoppable. The only way the Bills got stopped was when they turned the ball over. You know, they, they the Rams really didn't seem to be able to stop them. I And I read something that's amazing to me. This is the second of their last three games where they haven't had to have a punt. They didn't punt tonight and they didn't punt, I think against the chiefs or something like that, you know? So it's um, their offense is going to be a problem. <laughs> you know, you can see it's just going to be a problem and their defense looks good. Von Miller. I know you wrote that preseason article about Von Miller uh, being a key, key addition to the bills. And it showed like he, he had a sack. He was balling out for them. He made the other players around them better uh so it was an interesting game it wasn't as competitive obviously as i thought it would be but well the first half was actually i think they went in like 10 7 or something like that and it was remarkable watching it because i'm like oh my god they're gonna blow this game because they're just allowing the rams to stay in it despite yep. the fact they're dominating and then you know i had to do a little bit of work and then when i turned the tv back and i'm like oh dear god you know <laughs> what happened here and what happened was they're they're just the better team yeah came through. and yeah. I don't think it's a Super Bowl hangover. I think it's a fat and happy team is what it boils down to. We've seen this, especially in the 70s and 80s. We saw this a lot outside of the Steelers and the Cowboys. A lot of teams go to the Super Bowl. Next year, they just don't do as well because the players get fat and happy. They go on their media tour. They, in our era, it was the Murray Griffin dinosaur right. or whatever, you know, Oprah show. Uh, now it's a lot of streaming. But I also, and I may be making light of it, but that's part of it. But from my understanding, because I did, I don't play fantasy football, so I don't follow football as intensely. Right. But I did read, and they did mention tonight how 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 uh, the, the head coach of the Rams, uh, Sean Sean, I'm drawing a blank here, Sean McVay, uh, held his players out. And and I'm one of these coaches where I understand the danger of preseason with your starters, but you got to get them game reps. I think it's true. I did sports my whole life. I was in the military. Right. You have to take that hit, you know, you have to take some hits, you have to get used to the game. So I think all that came into play tonight and 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 hurt the team. However, what I'm not buying are those who, who, who are who are talking about Matthew Stafford's arm. His arm looked fine. You know, I mean, it was oh. just off target, but it didn't look like it was hurting. It no. didn't look like it was weak. It just and and, and you mentioned it off, off camera earlier. Maybe you yeah. want to expound on it. 
they only it seems like there was only one 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 person on the field that Matthew Stafford looked at the whole game, and that is uh, uh Cooper Cup. Yeah. Cooper Cup, and, and what was the running game? I mean, what are your I, thoughts on that? I yeah, I don't understand. A lot of that offensive game plan had me befuddled to say the least. I mean. Cam Akers, something's up with him, whether it's that he's in the doghouse or he's hurt or something. He didn't see the field at all. He only had three uh, carries for zero yards. Three carries for zero yards. I know guys in fantasy football leagues that are throwing their TV through the through the window right now um, because they had him figuring he was coming back, you know. Um, Cooper Cup had a great game. Yes. Uh, yes 13 catches, 128 yards, a touchdown. That's a great game. He's picking up where he left off last year. But guess what? Nobody else had any catches. Allen Robinson, the guy who was supposed to replace um, uh, Odell Beckham Jr., no targets. He didn't even get uh, the ball thrown anywhere near him. He was shut out. Um, their, Their biggest threat after Cup was Tyler Higbee the tight end. And I saw him drop at least three passes that hit him in the face. You know, like where it just he got his hands on it couldn't hold on to it type of thing so i'm worried about that offense and look the other thing that was very very clear to me anyone who thinks jalen ramsey is still one of the top two or three corners in the nfl you might want to rethink your position you know john that that to me i was saying that when i watched him play throughout the playoffs in the super Mm -hmm. bowl and and you know just just for the record this game one just validates how the rest helped them get win that Super Bowl, you know, which kind of gets me angry at the Bengals that that I'm like, y'all should have won that game. And, and seeing the Rams now, I'm like, y'all should have really won that game. But you're right. Jalen Ramsey, now in his defense and in every defensive back, I don't care if it's cornerbacks, safety or whatnot, the rules, re- we're never going to see a quarter uh, a cornerback with the cover skills that say Deion Sanders had, because the the rules just kind of hurt the defensive backs. Uh, and that's a product, but he was bad because Cooper Cup may have had a great game, but we, as you were saying, my first thought process was every receiver that went it's Ramsey tonight on one on one coverage had, had a great game. What, 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 I mean, you had the data on that. Yeah, right? he was um, Ramsey was targeted uh, by Josh Allen seven times. He allowed six completions for two touchdowns. Woo! That's and and one of them, I you might be able to convince me that he 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 was playing zone and passed the receiver um, uh, through. You know, to he thought the safety was going to pick him up, but there was no safety help. I think it was a zero blitz or something like that. So it, maybe one of them you can convince me there was a communication problem. And the one deflection he had was off a pass that was from the five-yard line. And it would have, you know, he barely got a finger on it. You know, it was a good play. I'll give him credit. But he looked torched like he did against the Bengals, especially in the Super Bowl. So I don't know if he's been reading his own hype, if he's lost a step, if if people have just figured out he's susceptible to certain type of routes. I, I'm not sure. But if you were to give an assessment of him after the opening night game. Yeah. I wouldn't say he's a top three, top five corner in the NFL. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I kind of feel for the corners, but I agree. You know, I I will say this about the bills. They need to get into game shape. They, towards the end of the game, Cooper cup, 
very, very, very much easily tackable plays. And he's he's not even breaking tackles. It's you can tell the Bills were gas. And and the reason I say that because I, I had my oh, look when 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 who I think uh, he's an idiot in my eyes, Chris Collinsworth. Of course, that's what I think of all leftists. And he's just another leftist. Uh, when he goes, and there's Leslie Frazier, and, and I don't know how he does not have a head coaching job after that season yeah. last year. Well, when you break the data down, it was actually an inconsistent defense that gave up a lot of points to good offensive teams. The defense was not as good as as people assume with the number one overall ranking. Right. You combine that with the 13-second debacle which is where a coach – that's where a coach makes himself look uh, like right. greatness or I'm not as good as y'all thought I was. And that's right. why he didn't get the head coaching job. But what I saw in that defense, and it's way early. I'm not criticizing. It's just something I noticed. They were a little gas at the end when, when Cooper Cup, you know, Stafford, that's who he kept going to when he was uh, uh, making a few plays there. And it's hard to, to, to say that about Cooper Cup because you can say that every game and all of last season. He right. just kept making players miss. So some of it was Cooper Cup, but against a team that can keep up with them scoring-wise, like Kansas City, that defense is going to have to, to step it up. So my point is, is don't let this big game get to your head, Buffalo players and the fans. Don't count on that Super Bowl yet. But it's funny. Uh, people don't realize how big Josh Allen is. After the game, they were interviewing him and Von Miller, and they were literally of equal size. I think that Josh Allen is bigger than Von Miller, quite He often. may be. Yeah. He may be, but John, Josh Allen is on his way to greatness this season, barring injury. And when he runs, he does not run to slide. Nope. He, I mean, he puts that head down. And my fear is there's going to be somebody wanting to make that ESPN highlight, and it's going to take him out. And if they lose Josh Allen, you kiss any Super Bowl goodbye. I and, agree. Am I looking at that wrong? No, you're right. And, uh, I mean, I could think of at least three plays tonight. As, when he scored his touchdown rushing, uh, which was good because I had him on the player prop to score a rushing TD. Um he ran over Bobby Wagner, who's an all-pro middle linebacker. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and I mean, he took a good hit from Wagner, but he was able to stretch over him. It's a good thing he's tall because he stretched the ball out from the right. two or three-yard line. Um, but at the end of the game, there's like a minute left maybe, and he took off on a quarterback draw or something, and he ran over another linebacker, but he got hammered. Yeah, and you, yeah. And you could see like the, the coaching staff on the sideline. First of all, it's their fault. Why is he in there? Maybe why are you running an option like that? Or maybe he audible, do you think? Oh, I think he just broke the pocket. I don't think I don't think it was a designed play. I think he broke the pocket. But you're up by three touchdowns. Guess what you do if the if the pocket breaks down at that point? Throw the ball away. So what if you have to punt? Or if you turn it over, you know, with the, with a minute and a half left or under a minute. Why are you taking off from the pocket? And if you do take off from the pocket, why aren't you running out of bounds? Why are you trying to run over a linebacker? I don't understand. And they well, hold on. You do understand. We all understand. Well, he is still young and dumb and hasn't even peaked physically. You right. give that to a Brett Favre, Steve Young, a Randall Cunningham, a Michael Vick in terms of uh, after their youth. Right. And they're going, boy, you need to slide. <laughs> and they'll, yeah. they'll hopefully teach that, you know, He'll, I hope he gets it. He's not a dumb kid. And when I say he's not a dumb kid, right. his progression 
from two years ago to last year was exponential. Because remember, after his rookie year, what a bust, man. What a wasted pick. Another right, bust. Yeah, yada yada yada. So I really love the Bills. Uh, I'm rooting for them. They got the hottest looking woman uh, married to their cornerback, and, and her name's Rachel Bush. So let's go, Bills. You know, <laughs> of course, I mean facetious, but they seem to have uh, good energy. They seem to be no controversies. So we'll right. see how it plays out. Any fantasy takes, Big John? Because I know you're playing the fantasy league still. Yeah. Um, so. For me tonight, I only had two players going. That was, um, and I play in an IDP league, so I had Bobby Wagner and Aaron Donald. They had pretty, <laughs> they had pretty good games, you know. But um, yeah, Cooper Cup, you know, I think oh, we dis- okay. we discussed it in one of the fantasy experts leagues. I had the number one pick overall, and I took. Oh, I'm sorry, I had the number two pick overall, and I took uh, Cooper Cup. And I remember well, you were yeah. telling me, you were telling me like, eh, I'm not sure if that, I said, yeah, I want to shake things up because I usually never take a receiver in that spot, but people are just assuming he's due for a regression. And tonight showed me. No, no. you're right. You're right. Unless he gets hurt, unless he gets hurt because yeah. Matt, Matthew Stafford, first of all, Robert Woods is gone. And again, I, I'm not willing to say that the Rams season's going to go down the drain, right? It may, but you don't do that off one game. Like you said, they don't play enough in the preseason together and McVay sat everyone. So their first two or three games in the regular season are going to be their preseason for the starters. So they're, right, they're right, going to gel. Right. But it's very obvious. It's very obvious that the first, second, and third person Stafford looks for on the route tree is Cooper Cup, Cooper Cup, and Cooper Cup. That's all there is to it. Um, so he'll get... Like he had 12 catches tonight or 13 catches tonight. Wow, so that means he, he had at least 13 targets, right? He probably had a couple more that just never went to him. I have to look up those numbers, but just, you know, like, I mean, getting 10 targets a game is significant, you know? Right. Cooper, right. Cooper cup is going to average between 12 and 15 targets a game. He's got something like an 85, 90% catch rate. He's going to pull in the same numbers yet, unless he gets hurt. Because guess what else we found out today, which I think is not going to change over the course of the season. The Rams can't run the ball. They can't run the ball for whatever reason, whether they don't trust the running backs, whether the running backs stink, whether the offensive line can only pass block. I don't know. But guess what? Let me interrupt and ask you this question. Well, first of all, I did agree with Collinsworth in one take about Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup has this natural talent, talented gifts from God. But the thing about him is he works extra hard. He works Absolutely. harder than those yeah. receivers. So when you get that combination, that production uh, is not surprising. But that said, you brought up a very good point. They did not do much, if anything, in terms of working for continuity. Well, so Stafford went to who he knows best, and yeah. that's up, and they have a relationship. If I'm in a league, I may be targeting Allen Robinson because it may just take some time. It may take two to three, uh, uh, zero, you know, fantasy points or minimal fantasy points before he kind of turns the corner and starts producing my issue to you just real quick on the the number two overall pick wasn't it was a bad pick it was like dude didn't you just hear matthew stafford's arm is there something wrong with it (laughs) you know and what did i tell you he'll be fine yeah like you know why uh stafford is one of those guys if you've watched his career and granted not not too many people really studied Stafford outside of Detroit because Detroit's not a media market and let's face it the Lions were had mostly horrible teams for his tenure there that guy was tough 
he is tough. Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah. He was super tough. At tough. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah. He was tough at Georgia. Now he he had a misfortune of getting hurt a lot, but that was because he was getting beaten to a pulp. And you know, anyone who's ever watched those old NFL films of him basically with a dislocated shoulder leading like a two minute drive to win the game with a dislocated shoulder. One of the greatest scenes was after he threw the touch, uh, um, he threw a bomb that landed to something like the one yard line and he ran up to the line and he didn't clock it. Like, and we're talking about seconds left. And instead of clocking it, he took the ball, jumped over the pile, excuse me, and stretched it over the top. And in doing so, he, he, totally damaged his shoulder yeah and he's walking off and he's holding his shoulder but his teammates are crazy because they won the game and they're all patting him on the shoulder congratulating him he's like shooing them away he's like don't touch me my shoulder's dislocated don't touch me you know exactly and that guy when you see a performance like that i don't care if he only did it once that's a tough guy so unless his arm is physically broken (laughs) he'll come out and play so that's why it wasn't a concern for me. As long as I didn't hear, you know, like a torn ACL, rotator cuff, uh, 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 Tommy John elbow, anything like that. If I didn't, if I didn't hear that, I knew he was going to play. There was no doubt uh, in my mind. He played terribly tonight, but uh, don't give up hope on him. But keep an eye on Allen Robinson because if he starts to tank it in another week, I, I target him for a trade. Uh, and, and if you target him, you have to give up a little. So so be so make sure when you trade for him. It's somebody you can afford to lose. Meaning, so for example, I would always be deep at running back. So right. everybody wanted running back. So, so 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 strategize in terms of what you're you're heavy at. And, and but keep an eye out on that situation. Oh, and absolutely, someone may drop them this week. Yeah, someone exactly. may look at it this week and say, "Oh my God!" I mean, <laughs> There's always that movie. Yeah. Player, or the yeah. player just gets so angry and drops him and before. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and the next thing you know, you've got Allen Robinson stashed on your bench for free. Yeah. And, you know, hey, I want to give kudos and a little plug here to your to your big questions with Big John hmm. and your Bob Zadig interview. Because oh. I, think, I think it was Bob Zadig. Is it Zadig or Zadig? Zadig, yeah. Zadig. He mentioned Johnny Unitas, right? Yes, he did. And, and the two-minute drill began with Johnny Unitas. I may right. have heard that decades ago. I don't remember. But I was like, whoa, like a big Bob throwing the, 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 the football. Yeah. Uh, history. yeah. But I would, for people I, out there. The two-minute yeah. drill began with Johnny United. Uh, you were in the conversation. Yeah. Uh, uh, just tell the crowd about it real quick in the terms of so, how, how that happened. Right. So um, Johnny United, if you're one of the five people on the planet who likes football and doesn't know who Johnny United was, he was a quarterback <laughs> for the Colts. Um, but he, when he got drafted, he, like back then they used to have something like 30-round drafts, you know? And he got drafted like in the 27th round, 17th round, so, some ridiculously low draft. But he was a hard worker. Uh, yeah, he may have been drafted by Pittsburgh originally. But after a couple of times he'd been cut, so he had, he ended up with the Colts. And in 1958, the, the championship game was between the Colts and the Giants. And it was nationally televised. And it is forever known as the game that put football on the map. It's what made football the nation's number one sport. It's what vaulted it past baseball. And it was uh, at Yankee Stadium. It was where the Giants played their home games. And it was the championship game. And the teams were tied. And um, back then, quarterbacks were truly field generals. They had to call their own plays. They didn't get any signals. Right, right, They didn't right. have headsets, right? So Johnny Yu, with like no timeouts, 
basically took his team, drove them down the field, um, and called beautiful, beautiful play calling. Just you went to throw short, went to go intermediate, went to run. And there's that famous ending um, where he had, he drove them down to something like the Giants three or four yard line rather than kick a field goal, which would have won the game. And you figured it would have been easier. Yeah. Um, he turned, he called the handoff to Alan, the horse Amici. Amici. Yeah. yeah. And Amici, it's this favorite. And Bob Zadek is the one who, when he was, we were talking about the story reminiscing, he said um, that he knew the person who took the photograph. It was like some high school kid. And that famous photograph where Amici goes off tackle uh, and lands in the end zone uh, is a famous NFL picture. You know, it's like one of those uh, iconic photos. Yeah, and it was yeah. taken by a high school kid, basically. I vaguely I, I remember reading yeah. that, about that story. But isn't Amici, didn't he go on to have an acting career and marry somebody famous in the he, acting world? I, to be honest with you, I don't know. He may have. I don't know. I, I can't um, remember. And that was years ago. So yeah, these yeah, are yeah. Names, names. But for the people out there, that's why Tom Brady, when you talk seriousness, he'll never truly be the GOAT. Because no player in modern football who doesn't call their plays, in my eyes, can ever be the GOAT. Because people wow. make fun of Terry Bradshaw. But about how dumb Terry Bradshaw can't spell cat and spot him the C and the T. Right. Hollywood Henderson. And but Terry Bradshaw caught his own plays. Right. All players, all quarterbacks did. And to me, there's a distinction of greatness from those quarterbacks who won championship versus quarterbacks who don't call their plays. Oh, They're, sure. And I'm not taking anything away from Tom Brady because it's not his fault. And in fact, Peyton Manning used to get aggravated because uh, sometimes they, they didn't want to call in audibles, you know, right? And things of that nature. Uh, so, so, so kudos to, to Bob Zayde for a little uh, football education there. And uh, 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 any final comments on the game there, Big John, before we move on? No, I, I'm just happy the season started. I'm just happy I mean, to see, even if it was a, even if it was a dud of a game, I'm just happy the season started. I, I've already bought my red zone package so I can just, and my wife already knows Sundays, just leave me alone. I'm in front of the TV. You take care of the kid. Uh, you take care of the cooking, the cleaning, whatever needs to be done around the house from 1 PM Eastern to, uh, to 10 PM Eastern or 11 PM Eastern. I am watching football, son. And it, and the red zone is the greatest invention on the planet. As far as I'm concerned. Yes, and it was literally driven by fantasy football enthusiasts. Yes, That's the it only was. reason that channel exists. So when anyone gives you grief about being a fantasy football player, remind them of the great stuff that we have driven: analytics, um, uh, sports gambling. To a large extent, was because fantasy football was accepted. Better um, sports reporting. Yep. Better, better sports, sports reporting. reporting more sp- at data now. Yeah, more sports reporting. And a lot of the fantasy football ideas worked their way into the NFL coaching ranks. People don't want to admit it, but they did. Like, you know, that whole analytics, when to go for it on fourth down, when not to go for it, who to target, who to draft. So, um, yeah, folks, fantasy, all those nerds that you make fun of that aren't, quote, real football fans. I'll tell a quick story. Or a lot. I'll tell a quick story before we move on. Uh, I used to do radio a lot, multiple times per right. week. And, and early on, and, and I'm not tuning my horn, it's everything of what you just said. We're data guys. And, yeah. and the host would always be like, wow, like, how do you know about this? And it reminded me of a scene of The Secret of My Success with Michael J. Fox, when I think Hal Jordan, the actor, comes down, the CEO of the company, and goes, 
how do you know all this? How are you getting this information? He, he just pulls the thing. I just read the weekly reports. Right. You know, and my point is the data was always there. Right. It's like you all chose not to do your job as reporters. You chose to pursue relationships and just give bad info and lousy coverage and lousy stories. Right. I mean, I wouldn't say that. That's what I'm thinking. Right. You know, I would politely sit there saying, you know, it, it's out there for everybody to look at, uh, but you can look at it much easier at kfl.com. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, and by the way, trivia question. What was the first NFL team in the early 70s to be the first to use analytics? What was they didn't call it analytics, but they used uh, the first team to use a computer and it's scouting and it's uh, play. You know, I would probably say the Cowboys. You're absolutely right. It was the yeah. Cowboys. It was the Cowboys. And, and you know why I said I said that? Because I remember as a kid, uh, and I still to this day, or maybe I forgot it. Remember, they would do the flex, the, the offensive lineman, and they go, <laughs> with a head. Right, 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 right. So I'm like, they, they were trying to get me. And I knew Gil Brandt. He probably doesn't remember me, but I used to see him and talk to him right. twice a year at the seminar. Seminars, and he used to talk to us about how much farther ahead uh, the Cowboys became once the Landry era started in terms of how they view players. And, and they had just some tough, great players. Those were great teams. Well, you know? also, Landry was the first one who didn't allow his quarterbacks to call their own plays. Yeah. He was yeah. the first one who said, no, no. And to prove his point, there was a famous game where he, he swapped out Dandy Don Meredith and I believe Earl Morrill on alternate series he was just like i'm going to prove that the system is more important than the player and he kept shuffling these guys in and out just to prove to them that compared to his system they were worthless and until he, just, he got roger yeah, Staubach. until he got roger Staubach, and then he was in there for a while but um but i don't think Staubach called his own plays no, 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 he improvised a lot but yeah roger the dodger was still he still had to follow landry's calls but anyway Don Meredith was more of a gunslinger. Uh, uh, Roger Staubach was more of a disciple of Landry, and and right. he knew how to run. That's what I, that's what I mean. Not that he called his own plays, is that he fit that system very well. So let's move on, or else we can talk football all night. All night. So let's briefly talk about. Uh, it's not tragic. Ninety six years old. She led a grand life. Right. God bless her, and I wish her nothing but the best on her next journey. As I do believe there's an afterlife. What? I don't know. <laughs> we'll find out one day. And Queen Elizabeth II has passed on. Mm -hmm. She was, uh, her son Charles and I think his wife were next to her as the rest of the family scrambled over. And right. she's never affected my life, but she was the only person out of that whole royal lunacy that, uh, that, that our country leeches off the Brits tax dollars. Uh, I want to say two to four billion a year is given to that family and, and a bunch of inbreds, a bunch of soap opera drama idiots, a uh, 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 pedophile sexual assaulter in uh, Prince Andrew, uh, infidelity with, 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 with Queen Elizabeth's own husband. But Queen Elizabeth II was like a shining bright light that seemed to uh, uh, overcome all that. She was eloquent. She was graceful. But she, for, for such a little petite woman, she was a powerful pillar of strength. That's what I got out of it. But I also believe this. They say, and I tend to agree with it, that she saved the monarchy by transforming it into modern times and making it relevant because they were talking about doing away with the monarchy until she came to power or throughout her early tenure, and, and, and she helped modernize it. I think with her gone, with the drama of the two of the idiot prince, uh, uh, the redhead who married Marco, uh, uh, what's his name, Harry? 
Hey, uh, do they have a nickname for them? Kind of like Bennifer or something like like. No, <laughs> no, no, no. But no, Mar- they're gone. They're out. For, and I, I hate doing this because it's going to make me sound like I care about the Royals, which I don't. Oh, we don't. Okay, for the yes. audience, we yeah. don't care about the Royals. But the truth of the matter is, Queen Elizabeth passing is significant world news. Well, it is world news. She's considered a world leader. Certainly, certainly over the UK, the the fourteen or so Commonwealth like Canada, Australia, and places like that. That technically, she's their sovereign as well. Um. Anyway, like I, I, the concept of a monarch is so against my nature that. I have a tough time admitting to any good coming from a willing monarch. Like, so, but I will say this, that as far as monarchs go, she seemed to be non-offensive, you know, like she seemed to have a certain grace and dignity to her. Um, Regardless of how you feel about, uh, irregardless is not a word. I should avoid saying it. Regardless of how you feel, I knew that. <laughs> um, yeah, regardless of how you feel. Um, she seemed to be like a decent woman, you know. Um, certainly lived a long life. Her husband lived a long life. I think he was 99, 99. when he passed away, Prince Charles. Um, so, yeah, it's not tragic. Everyone expected it. It, it had to happen. Um, I, You know, I think it's just ironic that dumb son of hers, Prince Charles, he gets to be king. That's the good news. The bad news is, guess what? You're 73 when you became king. You know, I I don't know how long you're going to be king for, you know, even if you live as long as your father did, that's just, you know, barely 20 years. But she, I don't know if she saved the monarchy, but it's quite possible because she became queen when she was 25. Was it that old? I thought it was younger. I did not know. I thought thought she was a little bit younger. No, she ascended to the throne at 25 because she just celebrated her 70 years as, as monarch. So she may have um she may have ascended at 25 and been coronated at 26 something like that but um people forget prior to her becoming queen england had had something like three kings in a 30 year period you know because her father took the throne when her uncle abdicated to That's marry right. the american divorcee wallace simpson yeah and um damn you know your history I, uh, I, I, I honestly I honestly don't know how this is in my head, but it is. Um, so so England also so they they had seen two or three monarchs in a very short amount of time. So that was troubling. And then the other thing that was troubling was um, the the uh, family of uh, Elizabeth's family, that lineage had very close relations and German blood. Yeah, that's so when right. World War One and World War Two hit, there were some people that are saying, like, can we trust these people? Like mm-hmm. King George had to change his name to George from Wilhelm or something like that because right, he had yeah. too Germanic of a name. And all his advisors told him, when you take the throne to replace your brother, pick a different name. Like pick that's something right, that's else. That's right. The the kings, which for the audience, kings and queens, at times when they assume the throne, they would, they would change their names to continue the lineage uh, of say that king, like Charles, like popes, Kennedy, right? Kennedy. Popes popes take names yeah. of either saints or prior popes, right? Yeah. So it's the same thing with kings. Sometimes they'll be like, okay, my real name is Wilhelm, but you know that it, during World War II, I don't want to sound like I'm related to the Germans, so I'll I'll call myself King George, you know, so it sounds more more British, you know. 
Um, so when she took the throne, people forget she was sort of like Princess Diana was, you know, right, she, exactly. she was like this young girl. She was the quote sassy one because she wore long pants instead of just dresses, you know, during World War II. I think she there's I, I don't know if it's apocryphal or not, but they said she was like a car mechanic. She was like a Jeep mechanic. She, yeah, I, she that, was Jeep. that was because of the war. That was because of the war, World War II. Yeah. And, and maybe that's what makes her so special was she may have been a queen, but she was in the trenches when 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 that city was being bombed. And what I mean by the trenches meaning she she made it clear that she was one of the people and, and, right. and she spoke every night and 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 she had she, she did there were a few things she did I've forgotten but it, it was very impressive and I think that's kind of what started. But the one so today I was looking at pictures of her every decade. And the one thing I noticed that never changed was her hairstyle. Yeah. She had the same hairstyle. But anyway God bless the king. What's the saying? Uh, 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 the queen uh, is dead. Long uh, live the king. Yeah. Yeah. The queen yeah, is dead. So, long uh, live the king. And, and not to defend Charles, but he's a controversial figure because everybody blames him for Diane, for Diana. You know, and my take is, you know what? It takes two to tango. You know? well, look, that's getting into that sort of soap opera thing. That's getting exactly. into the, that's getting into the like who cheated on whom. Yeah, first but that's and... my point though, John. He's not popular. So no, yes, she was beloved. He's not now. The middle Kate Middleton and and and, and who's the other the the, the next his son line? William. So yeah, Charles, William. Charles's yeah, son William. William, who was the he was the son that he had with he was the first son with Diana. That he had with Diana, and he's the one who was married to Kate Middleton. You know yeah. who a lot of people are comparing to Princess Diana. Right. So. William is very well loved, though. That's exactly. the funny part. It's it's skip the generation, you know. So all signs, if the monarchy still continues, if, if the people of England or the UK still feel like they got to have a king and a queen for whatever nonsense. It's all they they got. I mean, let's be honest, the empire is gone. Uh, they're nothing but a shadow of themselves. We've had to carry that country. And I don't care if you don't like hearing that, Brits. We've carried your asses for two world wars. We kicked your asses in 1776 and then in 1812, you know, give or take some years there. Right. So you guys are nothing. You're nobody. Your queen is dead. This new prime minister, prime minister says she's going to revisit the quote special relationship we have because she's not impressed with it. Neither am I. I say cut the cord, pull our bases out of there, bring our guys home, and y'all defend yourselves. You know, it's it's. I'm, I'm sick of Europe. I'm sick of those those elitists. And, and you know why I loathe I loathe the royal family outside of the uh, of the queen. It's why because they're a bunch of freeloaders. And, and they represent everything our politicians want to become over here, you know? I mean, first it's the Kennedys, now it's the Obamas. It's like, we don't want a king or a queen, leftists or, or even rhinos. Take your crap and go home. So God bless the, the queen, kill the monarchy, and let's get back in the modern era. That's all I have to say on that. Wow, man, William, you're worked up. Like halfway through your rant, I think you popped your microphone. It's like you're oh. all I heard was like crazy static. But <laughs> look, uh, I, okay, William's a little worked up about this. I'm not. I, I like I said, um, I'm just totally neutral towards her. Like as a human being, I okay, I could feel uh, sadness for her family for losing their mother, grandmother, whatever. So maybe 
you know, from that perspective, but in terms of a world leader or in terms of a sovereign or in terms, I um, that means nothing to me. Um, you know, John, I guess for me, it's the way I grew up as an American citizen watching two dictators. And to me, that's all monarchies I've ever re represented yeah, sure, is authoritarianism, sure. dictatorships. And then to see these people lavish and slobbered all over, I'm like, wake up people, you're fools. They're leeches, you know? So, so well, I don't get worked up as much as I get angry. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're, they're a wealthy family because they have all the, all, they, they're basically land barons, right? They own yes. all that property. So um, plus they get certain types of, I think tax breaks or whatever. So I'm, I'm not sure, you know, but basically at heart, they're real estate barons, you know, that's why that's where their wealth is tied up into for the most part. Um, the crown jewels and all that stuff, that's also worth hundreds of millions. I'm not sure who owns that. I don't know if the government owns that and they just get to wear them. I, I don't know if they own them, if they're passed down from family to family. But it's kind of ridiculous because at this point, you don't even get the joy of watching uh, like a Game of Thrones thing where they're all fighting for the uh, Iron Throne or something, you know, like right. there's going to be someone trying to kill uh, these uh, this lineage so they can become king, right? Oh, exactly, the, John. You know. I mean, that's why I get angry because I'm like, nobody has a chance to, to take them out. You know, right. if y'all really want to keep the monarchy alive, let's have the battles. Let's have the standing army. Just take them out. Let's, yeah, why not? Raise your army. Yeah, raise your army yeah. and figure it out. You know, it's like, instead, they were just the lucky, the last ones before civilization came in. Yeah. All right. Uh, again, God bless the queen. May, may she have a safe journey into her, into the afterlife. And let's get on to what I want to call Big John's Libertarian segment. I'm a massive fan of John Stossel. I've always been since the first day I saw him. And, and he's a libertarian. Yes. I'm a conservative, but I love him because he cuts to the chase. He, the one thing about libertarians, uh, 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 the, and, uh, of course, to the audience, and John can tell you, I don't like the philosophizer. The, how do you say that word, John? Philosophize. Philosophize. I might do something. But John Stossel is different. He doesn't intellectually... Uh, educate us. He does it in simple, everyday examples of real life. Right. And he's he's got a he, he does these great little videos. And John, I want you to explain the minimum wage. He has this great video on Twitter. Go to his uh, account at John Stossel on Twitter, and he has this tweet after Seattle passed a fifteen dollar minimum wage. A Seattle business owner told us she stopped hiring beginners. Yeah. The politicians have no sense whatsoever, she says. Yeah. Do you want to educate the audience on what uh, John Stossel means by that? Yeah, sure. And it, it's it's a bit it's part of a big package. So what people don't realize is minimum wage laws, forget the number. It doesn't matter what the number is. It could be $10 an hour, $15, $100. It doesn't matter. The point is that the real minimum wage should be zero, right? Um Wages should be something that is determined between employer and employee. That's it. There should be no government involvement. People forget the minimum wage started out in the U.S. as a racist exclusionary law right. that was meant to strengthen unions, which were exclusionary bodies, and it was meant to uh, uh, stem the tide of cheap labor migrating from the South to the North. From, from specifically black Americans getting hired Absolutely. over white Americans, just Absolutely. to be clear. And Absolutely. the unions were leftists, represented by leftists, by Democrats, you know? Yeah, and, well, I don't assign political parties because they have oh, no- I do. <laughs> Well, they don't have, they don't have um, 
like in the in the in the turn of the 19th century 20th century there was no like those republicans and those democrats bear no resemblance to today's democrats and republicans right oh, so, right right so, talking, so saying they're democrats is meaningless oh yeah were no, they socialist progressives that's a different story no, no my point is this they were it's the democrat party who's always been trying to, to stifle the the american black uh, 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 individual male or female to me because i've studied the unions from the past the posters and my god john i'm sure you've seen some of those posters from that era oh my god well yeah they were very look people think unions benefit society somehow they don't they benefit their members that's fine as long as they you know as long as you understand that and as long as the law doesn't protect unions, that's my beef, you know. Right, but right. anyway, yeah, I'm, I'm digressing. I so what unions, you, what unions used to do would be like the following: they'd say, you know, Congress, there's a lot of poor people out there that are getting screwed over by the captains of industry, by the Rockefellers and the Co Carnegie Mellons. You ought to pass a law that everyone, the minimum wage is fifty cents an hour back then, you know. And Congress goes, yeah, that's we should do that for the people. Absolutely. Yeah, we'll protect the people. Well, what happens in that case? First of all, when it takes away unskilled labor, which disproportionately back then was minorities, uh, right. Black Americans, immigrants who didn't speak English, Italians, Polish, Italians, Irish. Germans, Greeks, yeah. Poles, everybody, anybody who didn't speak English. Um, basically... It, because those people would offer their services for less money because they were right. starving, right? So they'd right. say, oh, how much does that American over there want to offer it? Oh, they want to do it for a dollar an hour? I'll do it for 75 cents an hour. Right. And more often than not, they were just as good as their counterparts. So they passed these laws under the pretense of helping the workers. What happened in those cases? You had two things. Minorities were not skilled enough that their labor justified the minimum wage. So people would say, well, if I'm going to have to pay a dollar an hour, I might as well get the white worker with 20 years experience or 10 years experience. Why would I hire the black worker or the Italian worker or the Polish worker for, for the minimum wage when they have zero experience or next to zero right. experience, right? So you had that going on. Simultaneously, you had the unions coming in who then would even screw over the minimum wage by saying, why would you pay minimum wage? Listen, if you're paying a premium anyway, use our members. Yeah, instead of a dollar, which is the minimum wage, they charge $1.50 an hour, but guess what? They do the job of two people and we'll have them here. We'll make sure everything's done right. Uh, by the way, no, your windows won't mysteriously end up broken and crap like that. So it was the beginning of basically organized crime. Exactly. So what happened is, it actually increased unemployment and even more uh, conspicuous, or I should say more um, under the covers was the fact that it targeted minorities. So the people that it was supposed to help the most ended up being hurt the most by minimum wage. And that's something that continues to this day. Um, the other thing is that- In Seattle specifically. Yeah, Seattle specific, but anywhere, honestly. So- yeah. Ask yourself this, if the minimum wage worked, if it worked, why is the minimum wage $15 an hour? If you listen to Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, AOC, even that idiot Robert Wright, who, you know, did a press conference for us. Um, <laughs> Little man, right? Yeah. Why not set the minimum wage at $100 an hour? Then we could all exactly. be rich, 
right? We could all be rich. Why wouldn't that work? Well, they go, obviously it wouldn't work because people couldn't afford it. Exactly. Who are you to decide who can afford what from a central authority? That's not the way free markets work. So basically you got to get rid of the minimum wage entirely. Here's a, here's a personal example. My son, I mentioned before, is autistic. He cannot justify a minimum wage. He does not have the skill set to perform a job for $15 an hour. He does not. And I, quite honestly, would be happy to pay an employer to train him. Right. So after I die, he'll be able to do a job by himself. New York State will not allow that to happen. If they ever catch wind that my son is working somewhere and his pay at the end of his shift is a soda or a slice of pizza because that he doesn't know anything about money, right? He'll work. He's happy to learn to work. And then, hey, guess what? You did a good job. Here's, a, here's some pizza. Here's some soda. Here's like a, an ice cream cone, whatever he enjoys. Right. New you York State. Experience, right? right, right. Get job training. New York State will will jail and fine the business that hires my son under those conditions. You, you know, John, I have my own story. When KFFL was going and I was building out hot off the wire, putting the shifts, and I worked with the college kids. They submit their schedules. Uh, I'd fill the, the, you know, I'd give them, here's your slot. It, it was really pro right. employee. But the, they, and the minimum wage was going up to $15. This was maybe 10, 15 years ago. And so instead of expanding, I just stopped hiring. Right. I was like, well, I, and, that, and I tried to tell people, well, I had to stop hiring. It was no longer in my budget. Well, that's not right, baby. I go, and, and that's what somebody was telling me. Well, maybe you should do the right thing. I mean, I'm like, what? You think trees grow? You think, you think I fart money? You know, it's it's people have no income. They, they think I, I, we can pull money out, out of anywhere. Well, business, yeah. business. Yeah, people who don't run businesses don't understand that. And by the way, that's also where you get this misdirection sometimes, because sometimes they'll raise the minimum wage in the city and they'll say, see, the unemployment didn't go down. But what they fail to notice is the opportunity loss, meaning right. if I have two employees at $7 an hour, or use the even numbers, $10 an hour, right. right? And they're doing two jobs for $10 an hour. Once the minimum wage goes up to $15 an hour, if the work increases, I'm not going to hire a third person. I'll That's make right. those two people, I'll That's pay right. them the $15, which is now the law. But guess what? The two of you now have to do the job of three people. And I justify it because you've just got in a raise. Exactly. And, and here's the other effect. When those people get raises, the, the people above them who are earning $15, they go, whoa, whoa, hey, boss, we need to talk now. You know, I'm better qualified and, and, right. and I'm more loyal been here longer, yada, yada, yada. He's making the same amount as I am. So, and so you're kind of screwed. You know, yeah. and people don't want to realize these are basic tenets of surviving in the small business world. And and what's worse is c uh, c corporations like Amazon and Walmart and Target, they love it because it drives the smaller businesses out of business and you're forced to go into those the, 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 those corporate shops, which is fine, but it's, it, it's not a fair system. And life is not fair, I get it. But we don't need politicians making it even worse than than, than it already is. You know, any last comments on, on that big job? Well, it, it, I think, listen, I think the overwhelming majority of people, 
not politicians, not lawmakers, people, they intuitively think that the minimum wage is a good thing. Why you're putting more money into people's pockets? Like, oh, wow, people are poor. Right. What people don't understand is you can't look at anything in the economy in isolation. It's very rare that you get events that are very so isolated that you can say this is where they began, this is where they ended, and this is the exact effect they had. It's very rare. That's why someone like uh, Friedrich Hayek used to say, you know, uh, it's it's the pretense of knowledge that a lot of economists have. They think they know what happens. Yeah. Like he would say that about uh, Lord Keynes, right? He would say he has the pretense of knowledge. Yeah. And economics, the duty of economics is to show men how little knowledge they have. So the minimum wage almost sounds like, hey, you know, raise it, eh, you know. No, it, it always has devastating effects, either directly through unemployment, meaning like in Seattle's case, unemployment skyrocketed among the restaurant industry, which was one of the predominant industries hit or affected uh, by this minimum wage directly, right? Unemployment went up. To your point, that video shows people who were saying, we're not hiring anybody. Yeah, and, and, and to expand on the audience, what's happening in Seattle, a lot of young kids are not being hired. They're hiring people who are prob probably a little older, have been working the industry a little bit longer, yeah. and people who they can trust. Because y'all may not want to admit it, world, but a lot of youth do not respect that, that, that entry-level job where they're supposed to learn accountability, responsibility, uh, how life really works. So uh, uh, an owner is going to go, I'm not going to deal with that headache. No, I'm why would he? I'm going to hire the retired guy who just needs a part-time job and is happy here greeting people uh, or doing whatever I ask him to do. And so who loses out? Our youth and our country. Because this is just another way we fall behind other countries in terms of, of growing the intelligence and the intellectual of this. Well, of you're right. You're absolutely right. Think about our youth, who, by the way, Milton Friedman always used to say, the people most affected are minorities, but specifically teenage minorities. That's right. Because the kid who used to be able to sweep up a movie theater or used to be able to do deliveries or flip burgers, right? Once that minimum wage hits, what's McDonald's going to do? It's cheaper for me to build robots. And that's coming. It's already happening. It's already happening. Large areas. So, you know, good work, Bernie Sanders. Good work, uh, Elizabeth Warren. Because pretty soon, all these people that you're, that you're encouraging to go out and strike and, and, um, and, and fight for 15 and all that other nonsense, uh, first of all, learn some economic theory. That's the first thing. And then the second thing is, where are you going to be when all these people are unemployed and replaced by robots and they're replaced by automation? In, they're going to be living in their gated communities, looking yeah, down as their, as their servants go to the door to pick up their Uber Eats. And and honestly, William, that's one of the things that people like John Stossel and myself, just being libertarians, um, that's one of the things we loathe that the perception is if you talk to people Hey, what about libertarians? They'll be they're just selfish a-holes who only look out for themselves. They're they're rich, they don't care about the poor, they don't care about the downtrodden. No. What happens is libertarians go beyond the band-aid. We go beyond the like, just give them $15 an hour. Like I, I, I tell people, like, seriously, if you if that's if that was the main issue, why do you only ask for 15 an hour? 
why don't you make the law 100 an hour? Make it 500 an hour. Then we could all be millionaires, right? And you're right, John. And I'm laughing because I don't know if you noticed, but 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 I've been hammering the Libertarian Party on some of their posts because I'm like, stop, you're pontificating. How about working on persuading? And everything you just said goes to my point. Libertarians need to learn how to persuade and get those points across. And, and I say the same thing about uh, conservatives and Republicans. That's the problem of both the Republican Party and the Libertarian Party. There may be massive differences, but there's a lot that, that we we align with too. But the same problem is there. We don't know, or not we, they don't know how to message. They kind of, they haven't booted me out officially in the Republican Party. But I went from the rising star to, right. we don't like you. You just don't want to get on board with what we want to do. You mean right. screw people over? No, I don't. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I, I mean, but anyway, yeah. So that's like a little pet peeve of mine. You know, it's I like, I agree. Anyone who says, like, oh, you're cold hearted. Well, you know, look at my family. Tell me if I'm cold hearted. Look at, you know, look at how much I consume versus you guys. You know, how well, much do that, I take? Look at how many people you've helped. Well, that's the other thing. Like, you uh, know, just because I don't go around, listen, there's good hearted conservatives. There's good hearted liberals. Like one of my best friends in the world is, I call him a hippie. He's like one of these old school liberals, you know, from the sixties, you know, peace and love, you know, mamas and papas and dancing around the earth and shit like that. But quite honestly, he lives his gimmick. Like anytime he sees a, like a, a homeless guy in the street, he'll stop, he'll open his wallet, whatever's in there. He goes here, go get yourself a meal. You know, like I don't agree that's the best way to handle the situation because I think in the long run, you're not helping them. Right. But at the same time, I can't accuse him of being dishonest. I can't accuse him of right. hypocrisy. He's living his gimmick, as they say in wrestling. He's He's become that liberal character. So, you know, John, so, I agree. But the, the pushback I will give is it's not, as you said earlier in the show, it's a completely different, very progressive socialist authoritarian party. Yeah. And people are being converted more and more. So your hippie friend is what I call an outlier now. Whereas oh, he's old school. 30 yeah. years ago, without that would have been the norm. Because yeah, he's been part of the probably the blue collar, uh, the blue dog type Democrat. It's like, yeah. you know, Huff Arkush, my old boss, the guy who got hammered in the media. At Pro Football Weekly, right? Pro exactly. Football because, Weekly. you know, he, he, he told the truth and he was wrong. You know, he was taking his personal beliefs to, to make a professional judgment on who the best football player was. But that's Huff Arkush. That's why I love him to death he's that kind 60s hippie that just wants the world to get along and doesn't have a right. mean bone towards anybody but he's part of the progressives now he unfollowed me you know and to to, to have proper dialogue when you unfollow somebody that tells me a lot you know and and, and i think that's a good spot to close it out there big john i yeah. kind of like this libertarian segment because again John and I will always uh, 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 debate certain issues based off our, off our uh, John's way, how he grew up and how I grew up. But to me, libertarianism at its core is incredibly important because I don't care if you're a, a Democrat, a Republican, a leftist, uh, a fundamentalist. At our core, we start out as, as libertarians and then ideology creeps in. But the reason I say that is that we peel back the layers and work together libertarianism is the one aspect that will transcend every political party in my opinion it, it, it might be you might i don't know that you're right to be honest with you but I'm right damn it <laughs> but i hope you're right i i really want you to be right um 
Well, I think I am, John, because no. if you go back the layers, I, I think that's how it is. there are Democrats with libertarian aspects. Oh, there absolutely. Are, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with I agree with you. I just think there are some people, and unfortunately, I've run into a lot of them. I think there are some people in this world that just want to be in the business of telling other people how to live their lives. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. At the I'm end not, of the day, I'm not talking politically. Exactly, I'm just saying exactly. their personality is like, I know what's best. And trust me, you'll be better off if you do what I tell you. Like that nonsense should stop once you become an adult. Like the only, right. like only parents should be able to tell their children, not other people's children, what's good and what's bad. They should try to teach them. Like, I'm a grown man. What makes you or anybody think they know what's best for me? I mean, talk oh, to me yeah. if you want. Let's have a conversation. But to use law, to use force, to use guns, to use police, to get me to do, quote, the right thing for myself? Screw you. I know what's best for myself, not you. And for the world, John is so mellow. That is angry, emotional John. You yeah, just I just got very angry. I don't know if you could tell. <laughs> John, it's a great show we had, and this always happens. We're in 30 minutes, but we just have fun talking about this. But I kind of think we should probably start incorporating a little libertarian segment in, 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 in our points on the board, to, because that's part of the reason we're doing this. We're conservative yeah. libertarians in the leftist sports industry. So okay. uh, good stuff, John. And to the world, we shall see you next time. This is Points on the Board. You can find us on Spotify, on Apple, on what other what other, what other uh, podcasts? Oh, are anywhere we could go: Apple, Google, Spotify. Uh, find us on YouTube on Rumble. There you go. And listen, if you forget all that nonsense, just go to sportsgrumblings.com. Exactly. You'll find us there at all points. And uh, don't forget Williams Fired Up podcast, which is the conservative side of things, where he like where. The, he doesn't have Big John to calm him down. So you you, you watch Fired Up. If you want to watch like a, a fiery Latino rant about conservative politics, you watch William's podcast. And then you could catch uh, my my interview show, The Big Question of the, uh, Big John. William mentioned uh, Bob Zadek, who's a libertarian in California, is a radio host. Good guy. Turns out he's a former New Yorker. I had a great time interviewing him. Catch that if you want. And uh, we've also got some big guests coming up. So listen, sportsgrumblings.com, we're getting the podcast together. We're building out our content network, articles, uh, podcasts, audio, video. We've got it all, William. We want to build out this network. Please help us out. Subscribe. It's free. Go to our YouTube channel. Go to our Rumble channel. Subscribe. And uh, hope to see you again next week, everyone. Until next time, America and the world. And God save the queen. Good night.